Hi, and welcome to Timothy, my son. We're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 12, which says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. How do you set expectations for people? Well, I guess it starts with the question, what is it I want them to do? If I was picking players for a volleyball or a basketball game, I'd tend to go with the taller players. Pascal Siakam, six foot nine, earns $33 million US per season playing for the Toronto Raptors. But former Raptor Lyle Kyle Lowry at a measly six foot is no slacker. If it was a hundred meter swim, you couldn't go wrong with Canada's Penny Alexiak instead of Andre Degrassi, who's a great sprinter but not a swimmer. I hate to admit it, but if I was looking for a quarterback to lead my NFL team for the next year, I don't think you could go wrong with Tom Brady, but to lead for the next 10, you'd want someone younger. Sorry, Tom, I'm not saying your best days are in the past, but seriously? Timothy's in a position where he is expected to dispel spiritual wisdom. It would not be unusual for those who are older to expect a younger man to not quite measure up. Something to do with experience and maturity, that kind of thing. Now, if you're looking for a youth pastor or a junior high pastor, maturity might not be at the top of your list, but a senior pastor? There's an expectation for a level of gravitas, great at connecting with the youth and young families, but not too young. I like the way Paul writes here, the solution to having others look down on you, Timothy, because you are young, is to set a mature example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Ah, checklist. Number one, in speech. In what you say and how you say it. We all know you can say the same thing with very different emphases and communicate something very different just by your intonation. You also communicate through speech patterns, haltingly or confidently or arrogantly. You communicate through the emotion in your speech or lack of it. Conviction's important. Some are exciting and passionate in their speech while others are boring. I remember hearing Rick Warren say that the greatest sin in the world is to take the best news in the world, the gospel, and make it boring. I understand what he means. Number two, in conduct. How do you live? Is it all about you? Is it about financial gain? Is it about power? Are you humble, patient, kind, good, Forgiving, peaceful, argumentative, self-controlled, self-aggrandizing? How you live speaks volumes. It's been said that how you live speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you say. Number three, in love. Remember the song, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, the great commandment. Do people know that you love them? I'll never forget my mother teaching the teen class in Sunday school was one, when I was one of them and saying to the group, I will not always love what you do, but I will never stop loving you. Several from that class reminded me at my mom's funeral of those words. They knew it was true because they knew her. Number four, in faith. Is your faith demonstrated or is it only in words? 
Do you trust God in all circumstances? Do you show your beliefs that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose? Romans 8, 28. Are you faithful to your spouse if you have one in sexual matters? If you're not yet married, are you faithful to your future spouse who you may not even know yet? Are you faithful in small things so the Lord will entrust you with greater things? Matthew 25. Number five, in purity. Life is messy. We get dirty. The gunge of life sticks to us. Sometimes the crud of the world gets under our nails, in between our toes, and inside our heads. I wish there was a way to open up our skulls, take out our brains, and rinse them out and put them back. Squeaky clean. Do your best to keep yourself clean, but recognize that by simply living in a sinful world, some of it will affect you. Rinse and repeat. The Christian life is one of perpetual repentance, being aware of our sins of omission and commission, keeping short accounts with God and turning from our shortcomings regularly. So if someone thinks you're not qualified because you're too young or for whatever other reason, Prove them wrong. Grow into the position with all humility and reliance upon the source of all things. The only way to get better at speaking, preaching, or teaching is to do it. Everybody's lousy before they get good, so work at it. Study it. Read books like John Maxwell's Everybody Communicates, Few Connect. Get good at it. The big word around conduct is consistency. Do you conduct yourself in the same way in all circumstances, whether you're meeting people privately or in public, when you're relaxed or under pressure, when being praised or ridiculed? Be consistent. In his great book, Gentle Persuasion, Creative Ways to Introduce Your Friends to Christ, Joseph Aldrich says to love people until they ask you why. Good advice. Faith and faithfulness are all about remaining true in all circumstances. Do you hold to your faith and your beliefs when the pressure is on? When you're being challenged? And finally, in purity. God's desire is that we will be happy people, but holiness is more important. We're called to be Christ-like, perfect even. Now we know, if we're honest, that we're a long way from being holy or perfect as the Father is holy and perfect. But that's the standard. And that's one of the reasons he's given us the Holy Spirit, to empower us to be holy. Don't get in his way.